Jensen in between. <laughs> uh, my name's Audrey Jean Flowers. Welcome to the Completely Fucking Clueless Podcast. Hi, y'all. My name is Sarah Alice Liddy, and we both use she, her pronouns. I started it weirdly, and it's because I wanted to say, hey there, motherfuckers. But then I felt kind of bad calling people motherfuckers, <laughs> particularly because my mom is back listening to it. And Nancy Purdy obviously has been listening the whole time. And I don't want to call Nancy Purdy a motherfucker. So... I'll say it. Hey, motherfuckers. Hey, motherfuckers. But I kind of like what you did say. What did you say? Ladies, gents, and in-betweens. And in-betweens. I loved that. We're representing all genders here. The girls, the gays, and the theys. Period. Men, if you're a man who's not gay, I don't think you're listening to this. Wait, you want to hear something funny? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I was talking with my parents the other day about the podcast, and my dad was like, you know, you should have me on the podcast. And I was like, okay, so like what value do you think you can (laughs) offer our listeners? Because in my mind, I'm like as a straight white male – I'm like, what value? I mean, there is. I think my dad is a very inspirational guy, but I was just like busting his balls. I was like, so what do you think is your value? You know, neither of my parents have showed interest in uh, being on the podcast, but I would say we've had a lot of friends who have like shades of joking about wanting to be on the podcast. Yes. Um, And I would say like there's A, it's hard to tell sometimes how much someone's joking and B, there's no good response, I feel like, there on our isn't. I, So like, I just usually laugh and change the topic. I know. I'm like, I don't want to, like, outright reject you. But again, like, it is, sure, we love bantering back and forth, but it is about the people listening. So, like, again, I'm always like, what value is this person going to bring? I hope we're bringing y'all value. The, the dollar value menu. <gasps> the dollar menu at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I haven't had McDonald's in so fucking long. I've maybe had McDonald's. Five times in my life. That's like a crime. I love McDonald's. I can't eat anything there. Though oh, I did actually right, on a vegetarian. I, I think you were there on yeah. this road trip. Oh my god! Where I, I got Never a forget. Big Mac with just uh, none of the meat or anything, and I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty good. Because Audrey was severely hungover. Okay, we on didn't this get ride. it because I was hungover. We no. got it because my niece no needed McDonald's but or she was helped. gonna scream. You know what? I think it did. I think what helped more was that I slept. Yeah. Um, but, oh yeah, I forgot about what did we even have the night before that I was so hungover. We went to Carbone. Oh yes. yeah, and there were the lemon cello shots. Uh-huh. I'm remembering this. Yes. I'm remembering yes. this suddenly. Um, <laughs> it's all coming back. Yeah, and my niece got to see my niece and my nephew all the time. They're like, I don't get why you all drink. Like, it seems like a bad idea. Honestly, and I'm I'm always like yeah i'm like check back in with me when you get older but like fair point and then <laughs> they they found it i think funny when i was hungover yeah i was listening to a tiktok the other day and she was talking about how she you know kind of just chose to be sober because she wasn't really liking the effects of alcohol and she's like there's not a lot of things that people shame you for like not doing but one of them is like when you're not drinking yeah because it makes because she was talking about how it makes that person think about them and their drinking habits yeah. has you know which is very interesting to me live off love you guys i am becoming a reader <laughs> like i am becoming the most educated person ever i was on a three-way call with my mom and julia uh yesterday the day before mm-hmm. one of the days of this week um and they were telling me about how proud they were that you've become a reader and julia has recommendations for you oh yay yes i'm i'm slowly but surely getting there 
Hey, so, hey, hey, yo, holla. That's mm. my, my laundry needs to be moved, but we're not going to do that till after this recording. <laughs> will you remind me after we record to move yes, my laundry? Yes, we will move the laundry. Everyone's doing laundry in my building Ooh, right now. They said it's a wild Friday night. Uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're raging in this building. They said laundry night. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm reading this book called... Um, Eight Rules of Love by Jay Shetty. Hot. I'm slowly but surely getting through it because, again, I'm a slow reader. And also today when I was reading, I'm just so tired. So I was like, this is making me sleepy. But <laughs> the thing that I took away from my reading today that I really enjoyed was he was talking about his proposal to his wife. Mm-hmm. And he kind of planned this very grand thing. Like he took her to, they lived in London. They went on this like walk. And then this acapella group that he set up came like strolling on by to sing to her. Damn. And he got down on a knee. And then like vegan food came rushing in. And like, you know, it was something very storybook and whatever. Yeah. And he's like now like reflecting on that, like, if I thought about my partner, like mm. literally no parts of that engagement or things that Their she vibe. yeah, would enjoy. Um, and so he like he had this line about, you know, kind of unlearning the ways that society teaches us yeah. to love and getting in touch with how you and your partner or you yourself love. I feel like that's been a plot point on so many TV shows where like mm. it's always like a man will pro will uh plan this giant proposal and then always like the plot twist is that like they're like they all of a sudden after doing like planning this whole big thing they're like you know what this isn't what she wants yeah and then they do a small intimate thing which I can think of like five TV shows off the top of my head really? that that has happened yeah. in. It sounds like a very like when I was reading his like you know thingy majiggy book that um it definitely sounded familiar in mm-hmm. that sense but I guess I never like saw it in yeah. that way. I mean like I'm a like over the top like pretty showy whatever person but like if someone proposed to me like at like uh, like I when I get proposed to I want it to be like intimate and small like yes. if someone proposed to me at like a sports game or like any Wrong. type of those very public things I would say no I'm yes. not kidding I also was thinking about this the other day mm. I was reading a, a BuzzFeed article I still read BuzzFeed who I, doesn't love BuzzFeed I, I, I never left everyone left I never left <laughs> um, but it's what I read when I'm really bored and want to read something crappy um, but it was about like people who have worked a lot of weddings like uh the like craziest things they saw are like things they saw and knew like it was destined to like fail or whatever and one of them was uh the this photographer or maybe i saw tiktok about this i don't know i saw something. something it was this wedding photographer who like went up to the uh maid of honor and was like um hey like we're supposed to do some final shots with the bride and groom um and like time is sort of running out i'm supposed to leave in like a half hour like what's up and the maid of honor is like oh the bride's gone and she's like what and she's like, no, the bride's gone. And the photographer was like, why? And the maid of honor explains, like, the bride had told the groom that if he, like, you know how, like, you'd serve each other the first thing of cake. And yes. it's a big thing, I yes. think, especially with men who think they're funny to, like, smash it in their partner's oh. face. The bride had told him that if he did that, she would leave. Because, like, you have a ton of photos. You spend a ton of, like, money on getting your makeup done yeah. and getting cake all over your face would utterly fuck it up. So the bride and her gang were just left. Because she had literally told him, like, if you do this, I will leave. And I'm going to be honest, whoever I marry, if they 
shove cake and get cake all oh, over my face wrong i will leave we will, will immediately get it annulled so angry no i've said to like partners in my life i don't want a very public engagement um if you know me i'm a sentimental person so i definitely like love that kind of energy um and i either want like our families to be there after to like celebrate with us or like we're on a vacation somewhere and it's like an an engagement vacation i'd like it to be like a small intimate gathering or no sorry i'd like it to be like a small intimate thing and then like i'd like to eventually have an engagement party but i don't think that i'd want to have something immediately after getting engaged i say is i'm just so nowhere near any of this yes i don't know why i'm taking this so seriously no i but it makes you think about it i like i just i don't know i'm very into like love right now Mm -hmm. and like what does love mean to me how do i want to be loved how do i love um yeah this is a hard shift in conversation (laughs) but yes i'm reading um i'm so proud you're reading period end (laughs) um so i i think i know what i want to get as my first tattoo (gasps) um no way so my mom is really against tattoos. Like literally like she told my sister and I, like if you get a tattoo, I will stop paying for your college. And I know like I've had a lot of friends who have like been like, Oh, my parents also said that my mom means it. I'm not kidding. If we had gotten tattoos in college and she found out we didn't get them. It's not, we're not hiding them. I the way I said that sounded like we got secret tattoos. We didn't, um, she would have stopped paying for college. Uh, she really hates them. She's fine with us doing drugs, but tattoos, no Tattoo. go. My dad is kind of the same way, but I got them anyway. Yeah. Like, uh, so my sister literally like a week after graduating got her first tattoo, and she recently actually got a big one. That our kind of rule of, of what we've begun to do is if we want to get a tattoo, we have to tell mom a year in advance. Oh, okay. Um, oh, so this is like a year. This out. is my. This okay. is Yeah, this okay. is my year. But also, I think it's a good thing of like makes you stay with it for a really long oh, yes. time. Yes, 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 yes. But I don't know. I've been like stewing of kind of wanting one for while um and so (laughs) side branch story off so i only have one grandparent um technically when i was a kid i had two grandparents but one of them was my dad's mom who i I maybe met four times in my life and actively did not likely she she like and i know some people are like no no your grandmother loved you she might have not seen the way she told me i was going to hell (laughs) because i was not a jehovah's witness she did not like me um so i didn't really have a relationship with her but i've always had my mom's mom who we called gamma and when i was a senior in high school she was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer um and she's still alive, which is crazy. Most people die within a year from that diagnosis. So we've had six more years with her. Um, and it's not, we're waiting for one final test, but it seems like 99% sure um, that it's it's spread to her brain. Um, and I don't know, that had me stewing on a lot of things. And it kind of made me come up with one idea, which made me come up with another, which, so I now have, I have what I want to do is my first tattoo. And then I have a planned already second tattoo. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I want to do is because I want my first tattoo to be just entirely about me and whatever. Um, So it's a quote from... (laughs) my dungeons and dragons tv show Her. i know i bring it up a lot but that show's meant a lot to me um but it's a quote i really loved and really stuck with me called um if you choose or that goes if you choose to care then the universe cares um and i want to get that in my own handwriting Aww. and ideally i really want to get it with um snowdrop flowers 
they're like the first flowers that always come up in the beginning of spring i've actually oh. already seen a couple in new york which is crazy because winter's not even begun yet it's fucking 22 degrees out today yeah the weather's been deeply confusing um but we always had a little group of them that would come up in the very like they're the first flower that comes up in the beginning of spring yeah um and they were how i knew spring was coming and they they don't last through like summer or anything like they're kind of that first show of spring and they're a very delicate like small looking flower and i don't know like i saw them for the first time in a long time in york in a park the other day and i don't know they're just like the first breakthrough of spring and like renewal and they're both they're such like this delicate flower yet managed to be the first ones to break through every time mm-hmm. um so i really want to get like in my own shitty cursive <laughs> um if you choose to care the universe cares with like snowdrop flowers on either side Pretty. and then the second thing that i want to do of um i don't know if i want to do them sort of postage stamps or sort of a gallery wall but this was kind of inspired why i told the story about my grandmother of my last name is flowers um so flowers mean a lot and especially my grandmother my (laughs) my mom and I are actually both terrible we kill all plants we touch like I we're horrible with plants (laughs) um but my grandmother has the like has always had the most amazing beautiful garden um and like makes these beautiful flower arrangements and like it's just a whiz with gardening and flowers yeah um and her things possibly getting towards the end with things with her or seriously changing um just had me reflecting on like that and family and whatnot um and so what I kind of want to do is get like a little gallery wall that will very slowly happen over time um because tattoos are expensive yeah um but get either a little like framed picture sort of looking or a little postage stamp of uh people in my family's favorite flower oh wait that's so cute um, and do it like sort of on my left rib cage sort of near where the heart is um oh wait that's such a good idea see i love sentimental tattoos like that yeah um and so i i actually i had been thinking about this flower a bunch last night and i texted my mom asking what my grandmother's favorite flower was um and i i i I just had a feeling it was gonna be this and this is what my mom said um was a lady slipper so i first want to get the one that's just about me because i I want to get like my first tattoo to just be about me and something that means something to me. Um, But then I want to get down the road, get it either like if it's a post-it note sort of where you have like, it'll have like a little number or letter on it, like half like the initials of whatever family member it is. Um, Or if it's a painting sort of have it like in the bottom corner, sort of like where a signature on a painting would be. Cute. That's such a good idea. I love sentimental tattoos. All of my tattoos, I've all of mine, I have two. They're both like my, I have a number 35 on my left wrist and that's for dedicated to my cousin who um, committed suicide when he was 14 because we were really close. I got that one like at 18 like as soon as I was able to and then my mom always wanted a tattoo but she was never gonna get one so (laughs) I got a matching heart tattoo with her um I did freak out after that tattoo and wanted to get it removed and then my dad had to bring me back down to earth and be like (laughs) remember why you got this tattoo um and then my next tattoo which 
I'll probably get soon. I kind of want to get it before the summer, especially because mm-hmm. like I love thin line tattoos, but when they're in the sun, it's like not good for them, especially when you first get them. Um, I'm going to get bright side in cursive mm-hmm. for my dad because <laughs> this is cheesy, but my dad and I love the song, Mr. Brightside. Mm-hmm. And so whenever it's playing in a frat or a New York city bar, I don't really think about that. It's like the frat song of America. Like I think about my dad and I being in our Honda pilot and I'm like seven years old and we're singing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love a good tattoo idea yeah for me like if I get a tattoo it's gonna have meaning yeah I thought about a little bit of like having them draw their favorite flower but then I was like you know there's a lot of people in my family without artistic ability and if it's something (laughs) permanently on my body I don't want it to look bad no offense to (laughs) my family um but yeah so I want to the first one I want to get like the quotes I'm probably going to do them all on like sort of my rib area just because I like them being out of the way yeah but so this is my my formal uh declaration warning warning to to my mother um we have it in spoken word on Spotify and Apple and it's also for me I will if I still like it in a year I'll get it yeah I get that Uh, when I came up with the idea for my next tattoo I sat with it for a good month and I just couldn't stop thinking about I still can't so I know that I want it then the I was gonna show you it but it's I have to use a book to clip my mic in um and I use the book that I did all the sort of sketching for it on the thing um but yeah so I don't know I've I've wanted to get a tattoo for a long time but I could never I don't know nothing ever felt 100% right right and I think it has to feel that right sort of feeling because it is on your body forever yeah I'd love to have my own little collection of flowers that's so cute yeah before we get into our interview, one question. Yes. What do you think about this Michaela drama? Do you know what's happening? Yeah, that she's being accused of using fake. I like don't really care enough to have any opinion. And okay. anytime I see a video about it, I kind of swipe. It, right. It, it's kind of gotten, um, what's it called? Like drawn out a lot. But I wrote it in my notes like when it first happened. <laughs> so I was just like curious. Um. I mean, it, it looks like she's using a fake eyelash. Um. Yeah. It seems dumb to do that if. I was her particularly considering she like just had a controversy not that long ago that's but I I, literally what I thought about I dislike that people are like using it as to be like you know uh fuck what's his name the one who shaved his eyebrows is friends with James Charles or was they had a rivalry what's his name the Jeffree Star people are using as like you know Jeffree Star might have been a racist and a horrible person on levels but at least he never lied to us in a review and it's like I know people are really out no, of whack. No, people are out of whack. No, the fact that we're they, not like, letting Jeffree Star come back. They want to like burn her house down, like yeah. for using a fake lash. Like, sure, it's not like the best thing ever. And that's it's funny because when I opened my phone and all of this shit was happening, I was like, I was I like oh no, like I, her cancellation is done. Like, what's happening? I know. Like, she just I think really like just started posting again. Like I literally that. she did because she took some time off. Um, I just think it's like so funny and people are so crazy like i uh, i just cannot even believe it I... okay that's that all was i have to say about her. it i was just cu- curious um did you have any uh january goals did i have any goals for january no i mean Obviously, we talked about our New Year's goals to y'all at the beginning of January, and one of mine was to be single. Oops. Um, <laughs> but but I'm shape-shifting that goal because I even oh, though... Shape-shifter, Wolf. Oh. <laughs> I realized as soon as I said it that the reference wasn't going to land, and then it wasn't good, and it was bad. It was a bad joke. I feel like 
you know, especially right now in the part of the book that I'm reading, it, you know, it starts off with the concept that a lot of people talk about, about how being alone really does help Mm -hmm. with your love. And he was saying, and I think it's a great thing that he's like preaching is that you don't have to like not be in a relationship to practice that. And I'm reading all about like solitude right now. So I'm kind of shifting that goal. Like I still really want to work on being alone, being in solitude and all those things, even in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's important. Um, I feel like I've been pretty decent this month at like keeping promises to myself. Mm -hmm. Like I've been better. I've definitely had my moments, but I've been making my bed every day. I've been taking off my makeup. I've been... Um, taking my medicine, um, you know, showing up to work and trying hard. So I feel like I'm feeling pretty good right now. How about you? Um, I have a couple of goals that were goals to like do every single month. One of them I definitely missed. My One of my goals was to try and see a show every month. Mm. Just forgot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I went on a date in January. Yeah. My stretch goal was two. Didn't do that. But, but I met one. the goal of one. Her? Had a dinner party. Yes. I read a couple of books. Period. Um, I feel like other things, my like longer term goals, I didn't really crack into as much. Like, oh yeah, one of my other goals was like do one creative project a month, which I kind of did with the dress that I haven't quite finished for a photo shoot. Um, and the other is like one sort of household project, which I also didn't do. Mm-hmm. But I'm feeling optimistic for the coming months. I feel like. January is like an awkward landing time. So it is. This has been like knock on wood, knock, knock is has been like a pretty good January. I feel like January for like most people, January and February are usually my hardest month. Yeah, February punches me in the face every fucking year. I know. And I'm curious because my February this February is actually pretty busy. Like I have mm. something going on almost like every single weekend, whether if it's like I kind of do as well, actually, or like photo shoot or i'm going to things yeah you're going to nashville Nashville. (laughs) i keep forgetting where i'm going um so i'm gonna gonna go home now a weekend to go and see my grandmother um i'm looking at i'm trying to look at the things that i wrote down um for my 2023 goals yeah i feel like i'm yeah i'm working toward all of these i don't know i just want to do a little check-in at the end of the month because i finally so i finally got a 2023 calendar to replace my 2022 and you know i fully got it yesterday which means i just full missed the month of january so it had me in the reflection no i like this it's good to like reflect and see like what's up it's so funny because the last goal i have written down is by the damn camera and film cfc (laughs) and y'all this sunday we're working towards it i'm going to get a camera um so yeah but without further ado um we have an incredible guest on the podcast this Mm -hmm. week her name is kiki athanis and our conversation with Kiki she basically says she doesn't love the term intuitive eating coach but because of SEO purposes she's an intuitive Intuitive eating eating coach coach. Um, we have such a great discussion with her and also just like a trigger warning before going into that interview you know take what you want don't listen if you don't want to Um, we talk a lot about eating and whatnot not in the context of losing weight but still not at all but we're still talking about eating um and i really enjoyed this interview because i think she has such an interesting perspective on how to heal your relationship with food and it's definitely something i've been thinking a lot about peace peace and purr all right y'all here is our interview with kiki athanis Well, thank you so much for joining us here today, Kiki. We're so excited to have you. 
Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with both of you. Yeah. So you define yourself as like a intuitive eating coach slash also helping people with emotional eating. Um, and I was wondering, what is like your definition of intuitive eating? Um, yeah, it's interesting that you say that I define myself in that way because I do, but sort of for marketing purposes, to be honest, I don't actually resonate with intuitive eating um, as much as you think that I would, considering it's my title. Um, but uh, I, I more so resonate with, I help women struggling with food issues, but for SEO purposes, that wouldn't, that wouldn't fly. <laughs> Um, so in terms of intuitive eating, I think it's, it's such a kind of trendy overused word right now or term. Um, and it's nothing radical. It's simply, uh, you know, eating when you're hungry, what you actually feel like tastes good to you. And it's like hilarious to me that right now, this is like a concept that we have to reteach women how to get back in touch with and and I'm not saying it from a place of um uh, you know I'm saying it from a place of empathy because I needed to um go through that process of relearning it and letting that resurface um and so yeah I don't even know if I answered your question correctly but um (laughs) but in terms of yeah what is intuitive eating it's literally honoring hunger and taste um and it sounds kind of unsexy but it can be really transformational if you've lost your internal guidance and wisdom around um, how to nourish yourself with food. You know what's crazy? I I saw I was looking through your channel and page, like look, preparing for this, and you talk about this concept of just like honoring your hunger. And I saw a video that you made where you were, you know, just talking about like, you know, when you're hungry, like you know, saying that I'm going to feed myself when I'm hungry and like reminding that to myself. And I swear to gosh, it's like so crazy because it's the simplest thing ever, but truly like ever since I've started doing that, I I'm feeling like better in that way because again, it's such a simple concept, but I think because of everything that happens in society with body and eating, it can, you get so far away from these very like simple foundational things when it comes to eating. Yeah. And the reason probably as well, you're feeling so much better is the gut holds our core identity. Mm. And when we dissociate with our gut truth, and when we try to block either our hunger, satiety, whatever, we ultimately come out of alignment with like our, our purpose, our cur like it's our gut is, um, we often hear the words like gutsy courage, right? Like our gut is really um, what we need to activate when we take action, right? And yeah. so by ignoring that part of us, um, how can we possibly feel like ourselves, right? Yeah. And so by getting in touch with it from a simple place of like, oh, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat something, or, you know, this looks good for me, I'm, I'm going to gonna try it, I'm going to taste it, it does, it opens up in so many other areas of your life, because you're reconnecting with total choice, and therefore reconnecting with your freedom and with your identity, which is so powerful. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. <laughs> I like didn't even know. But yeah, it does. It feels really nice. <laughs> um, you sort of just spoke all about it. Sorry. Um, no, I was, I was going to say all it took is like, you know, maybe eating a muffin or something or whatever it was that you ate that time. Literally. Honestly, I think it's just like reminding myself because I think sometimes – 
you know, like, I mean, at least personally, like I will overeat or undereat because of, again, these like good, bad health things, like food things. And just like even I find it honestly impacting me most when I'm eating something actually um, because I'll tend to overeat because I'm like, it's right in front of me right now. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about when I'm eating. I'm like, hey, like you don't have to like overstuff yourself. Like if you're feeling full, like you can always come back to this or go back to something else. So yeah, I find it really helpful. That's, that's a beautiful mantra. Yeah, that I used myself when I was um, suffering with the overeating side of things. Mm-hmm. I would have to tell myself literally as I was eating, I'm like, I have my whole life to eat. I can eat this again. The like the exact same thing as soon as I'm hungry again. Yeah. Whenever we're in any form of deprivation, and some women don't resonate with that word because they're like, "Oh no, Kiki, like trust me, I'm not in deprivation. Like all I do is eat." But it's like, but are you in mental deprivation? Like, are you still telling yourself mm. you shouldn't be eating even though you're not? Yeah. Because that's still deprivation. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like deprivation actually has nothing to do with how much you're consuming. It's what you're feeling and it's what you're thinking. And so if you're in any form of deprivation, of course, if something, as you say, is right in front of you, or you've decided you're, you're allowed it today, if it's before 7 PM or whatever it is, your body is going to go into this mode of like, okay, well, like this isn't always available for me. So I'm going to get as much as I possibly can in regardless of how it feels in my body, because you, you, no, we all know from overeating, it doesn't actually feel good, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but but we're not tapping into what feels good. We're tapping into, you know, our body is in, in this drive of like, okay, well, this is the only time it's going to be available. So I'm going to get it all in. And so we sometimes have to really consciously be like, I have my whole life to eat. I can eat this again as soon as I'm hungry again. And, and maybe that's going to be in like half an hour, or maybe, right. you know, it's going to be tomorrow. And for me, it was really powerful to remind myself that I can have this exact same thing again, because I had rules around like, oh, well, I'm having carbs now. So like, shouldn't have carbs in my next meal or like, whatever it is. And so I had to say like, you know what, I'm having pasta right now. And if I want pasta an hour from now, like that's allowed. Yeah, yeah, completely. So sort of talking about your journey, um, in, in various things, you sort of talked about how you got to this point. But I was wondering if you would sort of walk us through your journey of like sort of being in that place of like food is your obsession and it's sort of all consuming and how you sort of got to where you are now. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, so it definitely was all consuming. Um, it, it all started when I moved out, uh, of like my parents home. I went to university and that's when I started kind of cooking for myself, working out. And it was really starting from a place of just like self-love. I was, I, I wasn't obsessed. I was genuinely like, oh, like, hey, I'll, sure, I'll throw some of that in. Or like, oh, like some of my friends are going to the gym, I would go. And I had a really healthy relationship with food and my body because I was doing it from a place of like, oh, this feels good. And when I do this, it feels better. Um, unfortunately, I then got very slim. And so I had all of the external like, oh, Kiki, you're awesome because you're now thin. I, I wasn't when I first went to university and then over a year I um, lost weight and I just realized that like, oh, this is the fastest way to get like the best attention in the world. Yeah. And so I was like, perfect. This will be my new identity. <laughs> I don't have to like realize who my inner essence is. I can just like ride this wave of like being, you know, healthy. 
And so um, I really made it my identity. And I thought that like wellness was my calling. Um, but I think now looking back in hindsight, it was just sort of my disordered eating and, and my kind of desperation to just kind of be liked. Um, and so I worked with different wellness companies. Um, I sort of made a, a name for myself in Toronto as being like the wellness girl, like different brands would hire me to like talk about their like new smoothie bowl. And I was doing very weird, weird shit, to be honest. Uh, like, <laughs> like kombucha workshops. I was like, what? I, how was I going to do Kombucha workshops. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it, it wasn't for a few years until I realized like, okay, this is actually a problem because all I do is think about food. Um, and like, and all I do is think about eating or not eating. Like, yeah. it's like, those are the only two subjects in my mind at any time. Um, and so I knew that I had a problem, but because I was being praised for it and I was like slim and on the outside healthy, I was like, I don't really care. I think I have an eating disorder, but like all good. Um, like I'll just ride the wave. And it wasn't until I started secretly binging, overeating, I started to develop really weird gut issues, um, really weird food sensitivities. Um, and ultimately, I just got to the point where I'm like, Oh, my goodness, I'm like the healthy person that literally can't digest any food. I'm like prisoner to my bathroom. And um, I'm like gaining weight, losing weight, I feel totally out of control. And so what's the point? And then, you know, I have my friend next to me with like glowing skin, like, you know, great, healthy, healthy body, just like eating her pizza without a care in the world. And here I am like stressing over my Brussels sprouts um, that I just realized, okay, like there's, I actually, I actually just want to be normal. I actually just want to eat normally. And um, so there were different avenues that I kind of tried to pursue in my healing in the sense of like therapy. And I did the whole intuitive eating, mindful eating thing. And that's why I say, I feel like I'm I have a different approach to that because that never really worked for me. I felt like it was a very um, kind of just like, oh, Kiki, you just need to love yourself, like get over it sort of thing. Like, a, like, oh, just like love where you're at. But I needed a framework to actually be like, how do I even eat again? Because I'm so confused. I don't have any intuition around food anymore. I don't have any intuition around my hunger, my satiety, because I had spent so many years of my life just being like, of course, this, this cardboard tastes good, right? I'm like, of course, I'm not hungry at 730. Right. And just like, just like training myself so well that the idea of just like, eating what you want when you feel hungry was like a foreign concept. Um, and, um, and so I eventually found this method, which I've now turned into what I call the gut brain integration method. And it really does help to resurface the innate gifts that we're all given at birth, which is hunger and, and taste. And the good news is, is you never lose it. It's just more so there's a whole bunch of crap that gets thrown on top that you have to get rid of so that it, it can speak to you again. And, and oftentimes what I hear where the women is like, oh, no, I don't have any intuition around food. But it's almost like we're expecting it to be this really loud, like, speakerphone voice. Like, when we walk into the kitchen, like, eat the, I don't know, like, the brown rice with mayo or, like, something <laughs> like that. That's not how it works. Like, it's it's this subtle cues and it's this other language. Um, and hunger is a visceral sensation. It's not a, um, it's not something that 
is a timed occurrence, especially for women. I mean, like hunger changes based on our on our cycles, on, on our you know activity levels, on our emotional uh, levels, all of those things. So, um, so yeah, and and once I was able to kind of heal from it through uh, reconnecting with hunger and taste, I started sharing it with friends and family just because I thought it was so transformational for me. And, um, and I knew other women who were struggling and, um, and then they kind of started suggesting it to their friends and family. But I was like, I'm not going to do it for free for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So I started coaching it and and now I've been doing it sort of full time for the past couple of years, three years or so. Um, and I still learn so much and I still find it so rewarding. And I, and, and with every new client, there's like a new aspect of like, oh, wow. Like, I think that we think that, um, or at least I did, I sort of assumed that everyone had similar struggles. Um, and while so many women have different, have food issues, like it, it comes out in so many different unique ways. Um, even this past year, I've been working with women that like their fear is like, I'm, I'm too thin, I'm going to be too thin. It's like this, this nervousness about thinness versus and and like I, I was coming from a different world I was like oh no like no you have to be nervous about being this kind of body and then there's other women that are like no but I'm nervous about this kind of body and it just goes to show like beauty is so subjective and it's it's all based on um kind of this collection of head chatter that starts to take over and and disconnect us from just ultimately um respecting ourselves and our and our yeah. innate wisdom yeah, absolutely. I agree with so much of what you said. Um, <laughs> digging a little bit further to something you touched on, I'm curious what your thoughts are of like, how do you think we've gotten to this point where sort of health and thinness are like so conflated and connected? And like I, yeah. similar to your experience, like there were points in my life where like I was really thin and people told me how like healthy and awesome I was and like how great it was that I was going to the gym all the time. But like I was going to the gym and skipping dinner. Like I was not healthy. I was miserable and like not sleeping. And a sort of like how, how we've sort of gotten to this point and how people can help retrain themselves to not have those two be so deeply intertwined anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think the first part of that question, I don't even know how to answer. It's like, it's literally just um, social media and marketing, right? And it really just depends on where you are literally in the world. Like here, I currently live in Mexico, like being thin isn't even considered like attractive or healthy. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's interesting versus if you go to LA, it, like it is right. Or, or France or whatever. So I think um, it's also just acknowledging, again, that it's like, okay, it's so subjective based on literally what people have been programmed to um, believe. And just that alone can sometimes be comforting because then you know, like sort of anything is possible and also like nothing is real. Everything is real and nothing is real. Um, In terms of like the second part of of the question, um, which was was kind of, uh, I, I would say you really do need to, parking lot your desire for um or at least your attachment to your physical self in the sense of like what you how you want to show up like if I work with a woman where she's coming and she's like oh I want to lose weight or I work with a woman and it's like oh no I want to gain weight I always say at the very beginning it's like you need to put that on the shelf for now because that is going to be interference from you connecting with your 
physical, visceral sensations in your body. And when we're focused on any sort of external, then we're not internal, right? And so I know it sounds so easy to just say like, well, just let it go. Uh, But it's actually the first step is surrendering. And I mean, I think now there's there's, um, manifestation is becoming so much more trendy and like those kind of topics. And so people that speak on, you know, what we resist persists. And I think it's the same thing with like this fear of either being, you know, uh, too large or too thin or whatever it is, the more that you draw your attention to that, the more that you're probably going to get what you don't want. Um, and so remembering that the body wants to be healthy. Um, the body is not working against you. Like you don't, it's not something that we have to fight. And I think that for me was one of the most powerful reframes that I really had to accept as true because I always deep down thought that like, no, like, like I have to try harder than everyone else in order to be healthy or, you know, like uh, look the way that I want to look. Like it's not, everyone else can just kind of do what they want, but I'm going to need to try like a gazillion times harder. Um, And so just recognizing that it's like, no, like your body isn't out to get you. It wants to work with you. And so um, it's about surrendering to it and surrendering to the flow. And again, it sounds kind of cliche, um, but it's just the truth. (laughs) Even though it's cliche, it's true. (laughs) Along with like surrendering that desire, like I, I absolutely agree with this, but why do you think that like diets and restrictions just don't work because I, I know you've talked a lot about that and like I, I absolutely I absolutely agree that I don't think they work either but I I feel like you probably have a little more insight as to why uh, like scientifically and actually why they don't work uh, well um ultimately diets put you in deprivation right as soon as you tell yourself that you can't have something you want it and like i mean i think that probably it's mainly women that listen to your podcast let's think about men or you know if uh or if you're interested in women basically like whoever you're interested in in terms of like romantic relationships if you tell yourself like i can't have them or if someone else says like no you can't have them like what do they become super desirable right (laughs) like it's like oh suddenly they're so attractive um so and it's the same thing with food and this isn't just like a silly little example it's scientifically proven as soon as you tell yourself that you cannot have something the desire for it increases and so with diets and diets also include what's now going around is like just eat healthy whole foods right like because now it's like okay yeah we get the diets are bad but like but you know whole foods and nutritious and no refined this and like no process that and make sure it's organic i'm like yep that's still deprivation that's still a diet yeah. like that's still you're just like greenwashing it into making us think that it's wrong. Um, but uh, so, so, and once something is, is, you know, uh, made as unattainable or, or, you know, um, uh, out of reach, we want it. And so we can, depending on our willpower and willpower is a muscle, it's not a skill, it gets depleted, um, depending on your lifestyle, right? And so if we're, on a diet, but everything is amazing in our life. And we're, you know, like have, we have a really great partner and we have a really great job and we live in the best place ever. And it's like, yeah, then maybe your willpower is, is not being depleted and you can use the willpower that you have to focus on, you know, 
not eating the foods that you've told yourself that you're restricting. But as soon as things get real, or at least, you know, a little bit, there's some bumps in the road, again, your willpower is going to go down because it's a muscle, it's going to get fatigued. And, um, and you're, you're going to eventually the body always wins, right? And so such an easier approach to if you just want to ultimately be healthy and and be in a body that um, you feel good in and that and ultimately you're maximizing the abundance of pleasure in your body is to approach it with that perspective of I am just going to focus on always feeling good because if you are only ever um, you know, following this principle of I'm going to maximize the abundance of pleasure in my body. And therefore, when I'm hungry, what would maximize pleasure? Food. If I'm not hungry, would food uh, increase pleasure in my body? Probably not. Like maybe a little bit, you know, if you're like at a party or something and there's like a cake and maybe you're not hungry, but you're like, okay, like a small piece of cake is, is going to maximize abundance of pleasure in my body. Sure. But it wouldn't if you're full or if you're, you know what I mean? Uh, there's no space, right? And so it's kind of this reframe of this perspective of like, I'm always just making sure I feel good. And it feels good to stop when I feel balanced, not when I feel heavy. Um, And it feels good to, you know, again, eat when I'm when I'm feeling hungry and not when I'm not. And so rather than seeing it as like, oh, a diet, like, I have to stop eating certain things, or again, putting yourself in that, um, deprivation mode we have to shift into abundance mode with the reminder that like the body wants to be healthy and it's got your back so we don't have to fight it um we actually can just work with it and it's such a a subtle nuance but a very powerful one and i think um the scariest part about it is is surrendering to that and is believing it um and for me it it took a while to actually accept that that could be true and that i could just feel good and and things would be okay and I think for a lot of women and a lot of people especially um if you resonate with being kind of a perfectionist or sort of like a type right we like there is this like underlying belief that like no like like I have to try really hard and I have to work really hard and like I just have to do everything um it should hurt a little bit right and because that's how I'm gonna be better right and and it's actually not true when it comes to food like it should just all feel good and um and yeah it's it's such a it's such a like mind f mind bomb. <laughs> I'm curious <laughs> because you brought up earlier that you know when you were struggling in your relationship with food you were thinking about food all the time and I really resonate with that I feel like that um is a huge thing for me and a huge reason I ended up going on this weight loss medication called Wagovi for a little bit. Um, because you know, the doctor had told me like, if I just took this medicine, I would stop thinking about food so much. The medicine really fucked me up. So I stopped it. Um, and I'm curious, like in your journey, could you tell us some ways that you feel like you've overcome constantly thinking about food? Yes. Okay. So if you're constantly thinking about food, it is again, because you're in deprivation. There is something back to deprivation. (laughs) Truly. Yeah. The thing is, so they've done studies of even people that have, that have been starved, 
right? And what do they do? All they do is think about food. All they do yeah. is talk about food. All they, it's like it's like their, it becomes their whole life. Like yeah. they draw food. Like you know what I mean? It's like, and and we see it now on Instagram. The people that are like, all they do is talk about food. It's like I'm not talking about like chefs that are like you know. Right. <laughs> Uh, but but you know it's, it's like the wellness you know girlies or whatever that it's like all they do is talk about like the ingredients and the grocery shopping and blah blah and it's kind of like do you have any other interests other than food or mm. or you know I, I know for me it was I always loved like cooking for people just any access to any sort of food subject that yeah. I could get I was like yeah sign me up um and I'm like sometimes I wouldn't eat it but I was like I, I would still have enjoyment of like I'm cooking it I'm like interacting with it and again it was because I wasn't allowing myself everything that I genuinely wanted all of the time mm. and so I needed I needed that like hit I needed that source and so as soon as it becomes and I say as soon as but it takes it takes some time and it's a process yeah. but um but at the end of that process once food fully becomes neutralized. And it's like, right now I know that I could eat anything I wanted whenever I wanted. Why would I think about it? Like, why would I like waste time? It's like so boring. Do you know what I mean? And like, not in a bad way, like I enjoy food and it's like delicious when I have it, but it's like, there's no need to strategize it, right? Whereas right. before I was always like, oh, like, okay, well, like now I'm keto, so I'm, I can't do that, but I can have that, I can blah, right? And like, and so there, the thing is, is our stomachs get full. Like our stomachs have a feeling of like, once you eat um, a certain amount, there's like a visceral sensation that there's, okay, that's enough. We don't have stomachs in our heads. So it never gets full. So it never shuts off, right? Like there's no indicator of like, hey, you can stop thinking about it now, right? Yeah. And so that's why we really do have to drop into the feeling because right. the feeling can give us that signal of, okay, it's over, move on, right? And um, with my clients, um, with part of the recording process that I get them to do is essentially um, all kind of like high, high level summarize it, but essentially you're drawing circles every time you're eating. And the circles are representing an eating occasion. And when you're done eating, you close the circle. And it's really to help us like end the eating occasion, us choosing to stop. It's like, yeah. I'm choosing to stop, not because of the portion control or because of the time or whatever, but because I'm choosing now I'm ending my eating occasion. And so that we can move on into the rest of life because eating is a break in life. It is not um, meant to be intertwined in life. And so it's about stopping to pause and then closing that off so that we can go and move on into the movement of life. And, and if that is difficult, then, you know, we have to start thinking about like, what is it that in life that's difficult that we're, that we don't want to move straight into, right? Yeah. For, for me, it was, I, it was hard for me to stop eating because I was so overwhelmed with what I was going to do next. I didn't know what I was going to do next. I didn't know. Mm. And so it was like, oh, I can, I could go and <laughs> enter the chaos of life or I could just like continue having a couple more bites. And so like the eating a couple more bites always won, right? And yeah. so I, I eventually had to really get clear on my priorities and also accept that it's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but that's, it's, it's better to be at a place where you're like, I don't fucking know what's happening. Then to just be like, I'm just going to eat and uh, not address that I don't know what's happening. Do you know what right. I mean? Like you sort of have to work with where you're at. 
no, totally. I feel like I I forgot when I maybe maybe it wasn't therapy or I was listening to something or TikTok, <laughs> but I literally one day realized like I was continuing to eat so I wouldn't have to like think about shit and think about my emotions related to that stuff. And yeah. it, it and I had I've been doing this for many many years, so obviously it's not something that will stop in a day, but it's just so crazy how as we get older and our awareness grows like like how you know food plays this huge role in you know like coping in a way um whether it's good or bad and so I think that's really interesting yeah I often say like um for a lot of us we use food to buffer the discomfort in our life right Mm -hmm. and I definitely did it and it makes sense like I'm um I'm half Greek my dad is Greek And whenever, and I still see it with like our families and stuff like that, like whenever there's a child that's like sad, mad, anything, it's like, just get her some food. Like, like, let's put some food in her mouth. Right. And I think a lot of us are conditioned with an element of that, of just like food will fix everything. Like you're sad. Let's have some of this. Like you're mad. Like, let's like, you know, or like you're crying, you're not behaving, like, let's just like throw some food in you. And and we use it now as adults of like, oh, are you tired? Oh, did you eat something? Or you're stressed? Oh, maybe let's like, let's go for dinner. It's like, it's like the, the common fix for everything. And we need to take ourselves back and be like, food is to care for the physical body when hungry. It's not appropriate for any other circumstance. (laughs) In any other circumstance, there's something else that is more appropriate, right? And so if it's sadness, it's like, oh, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to, you know, cry on your own? Like, it's not that, um, you know, food is, is bad. It's just not as good as something else that is more appropriate for what's going on, right? And so it's acknowledging that, um, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm really stressed right now. I, I need to, I need to stop what I'm doing. And for a lot of us, um, I guess millennials, um, I'm a millennial. <laughs> Maybe you guys are younger. I don't know. I feel like we're just into Gen Z. We're literally, I think, like the first year or two. Okay. Wow. I really am getting old. Okay. Um, but, uh, but me as a young woman, um, I, uh, I felt like with eating, I was always at least eating still counted as doing something <laughs> and so I was always very obsessed with like being productive and getting shit done and blah 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 and so the only break I would allow myself was actually eating because in my head I was like I'm still doing something <laughs> and so it's like it's better to eat than to like do nothing right mm-hmm. even though it's like actually if you're just tired but not hungry it's more appropriate to just literally go lie on your bed and do nothing right yeah. but to me that was like that's tragically disgusting like that is so unproductive but if I'm like sitting at a table eating something like it's kind of like still getting shit done right and so again it's like that that coming to that truth of you know am I hungry and obviously it's easier said than done um but the sort of the high level of that and stepping out is to really set your life up so that you don't have to willpower your way through every moment of your day, especially if your vice is I use food as a buffer. Yes, there are strategies in the moment, but sometimes women will ask me like, okay, like I'm about to like grab the like fourth bagel, like, and I'm putting it in my mouth, like, what do I do? And I'm like, eat the fucking bagel. Like, I'm like, there's nothing like, there's not like a magic, like wand you can like, you know what I mean? Just like, oh, and well, if you say like, hocus pocus, it'll like, you'll stop binging. <laughs> like, 
Like, no, like I, I would say sit down, stop doing whatever else you're doing, like binge intentionally, right? Like just be present, taste the food, chew. Ultimately, you're doing it because you want to disconnect from yourself. And so making you know, a binge episode, a moment of connection, it's going to turn you off. You're going to not want to do it. Um, and, and that's sort of, you know, probably um, the goal in terms of escaping it. But ultimately, we have to be preventative and kind of realize that it's like, okay, am I in burnout? Am I, um, you know, avoiding something? Is there, what is the, the discomfort in my life that I'm trying to soothe with food? And rather than just demonize the food which is what the wellness industry does and they're like oh it's gluten like oh it's you're eating too much dairy like no like what's going on in your life that's making you you know eat certain foods in excess that they're then causing problems or you know um negative symptoms because ultimately we can all for the most part all eat like all different kinds of foods and we're fine we just enjoy like demonizing certain foods um and and um you know people make a lot of money off of doing that so it it works but um ultimately most of us can have a plate of pasta if we're hungry and we eat it while we're hungry and then take ourselves to a point of balance and actually feel fine um and so even though that's you know so untrendy to say it's just the truth yeah yeah you also along with uh intuitive eating you talk a lot about like emotional eating and uh I I know as someone who has like struggled a lot with that and also with like sort of what you've talked about a bit already of like binging and that sort of very restrictive mindset um I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about a sort of the roots of where like emotional eating comes from but more so what are the sort of like you just talked about uh there's not like a fix it but sort of what are the first steps to sort of begin moving past emotional eating um, yeah and learn how to sort of unlearn that totally so i will first say that the good news is is you don't need to understand all of why you're doing it and like dig up all your childhood shit (laughs) and like (laughs) you know what i mean i'm like i'm so that and and it's like like to me that was I remember when I went through it with my coach like when I kind of that clicked for me when she basically just gave me the free pass of like it's okay you don't need to understand the intricacies of all your issues in order to heal them I was like thank god um and so I am very much of that belief um I would focus more on like let's get you moving forward so what's number one what you can do right now it's distangle food from the movement of your life what does that mean it means stopping to Uh, it means stopping to eat when you're um, when you're hungry and that means stopping the movement of your life getting off the zoom you know um, (laughs) clearly I'm on a lot of zooms I'm like what's another thing I do Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) getting off the zoom or you know like stopping you know if you're if you're driving it's like no you're not you're not eating while you're driving what basically there's food And then there's movement of life and they are two separate things. And if we look at cultures where, um, you know, health and uh, food stuff is not so much of an issue, like let's say in France, right? Where it's like, oh my God, they eat gluten and dairy and refined sugar and all those things. And yet they're all doing fine, right? Of course there's exceptions, but I mean like stereotyping. And why? They sit, um, they eat presently, 
calmly what they enjoy, and then they get back on with their lives. So how can you start to um, become more present with your food and literally separate it from your doing, right? And actually take the pause. And the thing is, is it's it, the purpose of this isn't to like get you to eat less. Oftentimes that's the case if you are eating in excess, because here's the thing, if you're not hungry and I'm telling you like, oh no, like you can't, I don't know, read this article and eat your bowl of grapes. You have to, if you want to eat the bowl of grapes, you have to go back to your kitchen. You have to sit down at the table and eat them without checking your phone and just eat them. You'd be like, okay, fine. I don't even want the bowl of grapes then, right? But if you are having them while you're doing all the things, and that, that was definitely me, I was always snacking while working and whatever. And so um, I wasn't ever really present to my food and therefore I didn't even really enjoy it. I wasn't ever really tasting it because I had already decided what's, what's allowed, what's not. Um, and so I wasn't even um, getting the, the satisfaction of it, nor the full nutritional um, sort of, I wasn't assimilating the nutrients either because I wasn't in rest and digest mode. So just making the, and setting the intention to like moving forward, I only eat presently. And I know that some people are going to be listening to this and they're like, I don't have time for that. If you don't have time to eat, there are other issues that you need to absolutely address in your life because you do. And, and if you're telling yourself you don't have time to eat, it's a lie because you do. Because if you can't stop, like we don't need to eat 17 times a day. I'm not saying like, oh, you need to set aside seven hours each day so that you can eat. Like, no, we eat a couple times a day. Most of the time, like, you know, if there's no right number of times to uh, sometimes people ask me, I'm like, there's no right number. It's like whenever you're hungry. <laughs> But, um, but for the most part, it's like usually less than 10, right? And so if you actually wait for hunger, right? And so we all have the time to actually stop and, and eat. And, and sometimes I, I like to remind women that it's like, what if you had all of that time back that you were otherwise spent thinking about eating, thinking about not eating, feeling gross about how much you ate? If you got all of that time back, trust me, you're still making time with this progress. I'm not taking away time. <laughs> giving you time. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so interesting yeah, that, that you say happen. that because last week I had this day at work and, you know, I woke up, I wasn't that hungry. So I didn't like immediately eat breakfast and yeah. my train was running late. All these things happened. So I didn't get to go get food like I normally do before work. And, you know, I didn't eat until like nearly noon. And the way that that set me up for the rest of my day, like one, I like did not feel great because obviously then I got like starving Two, all I could think about was like, I'm like, I'm feeling lightheaded. I'm so hungry. Like, what have I done? And then like the rest of the day wasn't that great. Um, and it was a, this huge learning lesson for me because we talk about this a lot. Sometimes we're like, oh my goodness, like, you know, feeding ourselves, like remembering to eat and like whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I think since that happened now, I'm like, even if it's like a quick yogurt or something, like getting something in there is going to set me up better than the alternative because the alternative just ends in a terrible day. <laughs> yeah. And really like your health is the, like it's, it's the table, right? Like yeah. you can, you can take things off the table, put things on, but if you don't have your health, then like the, there's no table. Right. And so, yeah. um, yeah. And I would, I would offer as well, like mm -hmm. the slight, not reframe, but like 
I, I do like to remind, and I have to remind myself too. Um, yeah. th- like there's this whole thing around like, oh my God. And then I was starving and it's like, so like, so stressful and blah, blah, blah. But sometimes we do confuse like, okay, I'm hungry. And that's yeah. like definitely valid and there. And then I'm also maybe stressed. And you mentioned, you know, like brain and blah, blah, blah. And we combine it and then we blame it all on hunger. We like, we're like stressed and we're hungry and we're like, oh my God, I'm hangry. And like, I need to get something in my body. <laughs> And, but we've all also had experiences like on vacation where it's like, ugh, like not a care in the world. We're living in paradise, blah, blah. And like, we might then like, there are times, especially on vacation, because sometimes when you're doing day trips or whatever, where you do get very hungry, but it's not this like stressed out, like I'm going to rip someone's head off if I don't get like food in me. It's like, just like a, Oh, I'm hungry. Right. right? is neutral like hunger isn't this like super emotionally charged event um oftentimes we're just as adults there's a lot of emotionally charged events going on and a lot yeah. of emotion and we're taught often by even marketing right it's like oh don't get don't get hangry like make sure you know you eat something before you get hungry blah blah, blah because they want us to snack and do all these things that we then interpret like oh my god i'm starving this is like a panic mode and in those modes we have to we have to definitely honor hunger and be like okay i'm hungry and you know i, I need to eat something but ultimately we calm the thoughts um, and we calm our gut with our thoughts and so we have to first bring ourselves um, to truth and be like, okay, I'm stressed right now. And I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths so that I can calm down so that I can yeah. be calm to eat. We don't use food to calm. We use our thoughts to calm. And so that was also a big one for me. I was always using food to like ground myself because yeah. eating is such a grounding experience. And so for me, I was always very flighty. I was always very doing things. So I crave that food to kind of like bring me back to earth. Right. And, and, it, and I had the rude awakening of like, no, that's not what food is meant to do. You bring yourself back to earth with your thoughts and with yeah. your actions. And so how can you take a moment to kind of ground and then, of course, honor the hunger? I'm not saying like, get right, right, right. Um, but, you know, but kind of seeing them as those two different pieces, I think, is important as well. Yeah, yeah. that's helpful. Building on top of that, you've touched on it a couple of times, um, but in a video uh, that you have on YouTube, you're talking about how like the body has three different brains and how there's like the, the head brain, heart brain and gut brain. Um, and I just wanted to hear a little bit more of sort of, you touched on it in the very beginning and then sort of just now, but sort of your journey with uh, this gut brain method and sort of how you got there and what it actually is. Yeah. Okay. It's so cool. And actually, apparently there are like so many other brains that we don't know about. I think the next one that's going to come out is apparently the liver is a brain. So I think like by like in like a hundred years now, we're going to be talking about all the different brains. It's going to be exciting. But, um, but for now we've like, it's been scientifically sort of like accepted that there's the three. Right. And um, so I learned this through, it's called multiple brain integration technique. And it's really about um, uh, finding coherence between the three brains. So we have our head brain and that's where we start. That's where we find like the strategies of the what, right? Like um, to use an example, it's like, okay, I'm going to go to the park today. Like that's the plan, right? And it's like a head brain thing. And then we have to connect with the heart and kind of feel like, is that in alignment? Like, does that feel true for me? Do I really want to go to the park? <laughs> right. And that's like, that's where we access the heart brain. And then the gut brain, um, as I had mentioned in the beginning, it, it, that's where we activate 
our courage and our, that's what mobilizes us forward. And, um, essentially through coherence or, or essentially just coherent breathing, which is sounds really fancy, but it's slow, deep breaths. <laughs> um, but I sound so much smarter when I call it. Coherent. Uh, but yeah, it's slow, deep breathing. Um, uh, it, it helps the brains to start communicating with one another. And, um, and, uh, most of the time we don't get to the, to the gut brain. And that's often why, um, you know, we even, we, we know people in our, in, in our lives where they're like, Oh, I really want to do this. And yeah, no, it feels right. And then they never freaking do it. Right. Because they're not connecting to their, to their gut and they're not able to kind of connect to that courage and that mobilization to actually take the action. And um, in terms of the, the gut brain integration method, it really is reconnecting with that gut feeling and recognizing that it's a visceral sensation in the body and we can communicate with the gut through our head brain and, and as well as our heart brain. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a matter of uh, tuning in, getting quiet and um, allowing that information to, um, to transcend throughout the three brains. And, and it's not so much learning how to do it as much as it is, as I mentioned earlier, like it's, it's removing all of the head chatter that gets in the way because we all intuitively like know what we want to eat. I was actually just speaking with a client this morning and she was, she's um, just at the beginning of her journey. And she's like, no, I still don't know. Like, even like, you know, I'm hungry now, like after this meeting, I'm going to eat something, but I don't really know what. And, and it's like, she does, she knows, but what we got to, or what we uncovered is that she just has still so many rules around, yeah. what, but well, I, well, I, I would like a sandwich, but then I had bread yesterday and blah, 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 whatever it is. And so it's about like removing all of the non-value-based beliefs, the beliefs that we were that we were either conditioned with in children or that we read in like Teen Vogue or whatever it is, <laughs> that that's in the way of our truth, right? Yeah. And um, and from there, everything can communicate and we can, you know, be spiritually conscious beings. Yeah. <laughs> so like building upon that, like how does this out of order eating and restrictive eating, how does that mess with the gut? And like, I know you talked about how like a lot of people have come to you with like, gut and like IBS issues and yeah, yeah. IBS bad IBS. <laughs> oh my god that was me literally I like literally couldn't even date for like a year I remember I was seeing like a really good looking amazing guy but I literally had to break it off with him because of IBS I was just like it's stressful. I literally like cannot even like like leave my house right now um but uh so yeah so here's the thing gut um ibs inflammation all of this is it happens in it starts in your head and i'm not trying to say like it's all in your head but the thoughts are causing the inflammation in the gut and so if they can cause it they can also heal it so we really need to use our thoughts to heal the inflammation versus what we've been told which is like oh like gluten or dairy or whatever it is i'm not saying that food has zero impact on our gut of course we have to work with where we're at and there are different foods based on different times whatever that can inter that, that can affect right they can be a factor for the most part, I would say they're like five to 10%. Um, I can base, if I'm in a good space emotionally, you know, mentally, 
I could digest rocks. <laughs> you know what I mean? if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm not, like, God forbid, I digest dairy. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, and so I know, right? And we've all been there where it's like, we're on vacation or whatever, like everything is good. And it's like, oh my God, I can eat this and I feel fine. And then we like get back into like our crazy reality. And it's like, you know, we have like a crumb of something that's like, not gluten-free and we're like oh my god I'm like like you know again like running to the bathroom or whatever it is and so we um it's really about calming the thoughts and it's catching the thoughts even first thing in the morning it's like is is your automatic response like worry is it um what's interesting to know is um for uh, for those that are more on the side of depression it's um oftentimes they suffer with constipation um and it just goes to show like the gut the gut brain connection. Whereas my clients that are more on the anxious side, and this was always me, they're always, it's more diarrhea. And it just goes <laughs> to show it's the thoughts, right? Like it's, it's, is it art? Do you have an overactive mind, right? Where you're always like, okay, thinking about the next thing, worried about the next thing. Um, or is it that you're always in the past and you're, you know, upset about like what was or what isn't right. Um, and so Again, it sounds kind of fluff for me to say it, but it's only because I can only talk about it in a vague way because we ultimately have to get down to what are the non-value-based beliefs that are operating in your gut that are um, that are causing that inflammation. And the first step is actually recognizing that that is the truth. It's not that you need like a powdered supplement to put in your water every morning. <laughs> it's that you need to clear out the junk that's causing inflammation in your gut. And I have not worked with, and I've worked with um, hundreds of women now, I've not worked with a woman who hasn't been able to heal her gut through simply um, healing her thoughts. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. So to our listeners out there who are maybe interested in sort of like starting this journey of like working on the relationship with food and intuitive eating and overeating and emotional eating, what would be your sort of recommendation if they're at the very start of that? Okay, so I will go back to one of the tips that I share because I think it's super important and it's really where I, I start with clients. It's becoming more present with your eating occasions. Mm. And I would say to start, don't even set the intention of like, I'm going to be present with my eating occasions. Start with just tracking how present am I with my eating occasions, right? Okay. And just like getting like one week of raw data of like, okay, am I present? Am I distracted? Or am I on the go with my with my food? And from there, you can make the choice because this is all about total and complete choice. You can make the choice based on if you're seeing that every time you're either like distracted or on the go to then set the intention of like, you know what, I'm going to be more present with my food. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the journey begins. And that's where things come up where, you know, for some of the women, it's like, oh, no, but I don't have time. Or maybe the belief is like, no, I'm not worthy of just sitting and enjoying my food or, or, oh, I have so much to do or whatever it is. And it's catching that thought and being like, and bringing it back to a value-based belief, which is I always have time to care for myself. Mm. Um, and if that sounds too dramatic, because ultimately like mantras need to feel true in order for them to work. And maybe, so like, maybe I always have time to care for myself feels a little dramatic. Even for me, that sounds a little, <laughs> sounds a little bougie. Um, but, but maybe just, you know, like, I have time to eat, right? Yeah. Like that could, that probably feels true, right? It's like, okay, yeah, I think I could believe that. I have time to eat. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so reminding yourself so that you can continue to be present. I love that. 
Okay, so this is our final uh, question that we always have with guests. Um, <laughs> it, what is a moment recently where if you felt clueless? It can be big or it can be small. Mine many times have been, I don't know how often you're meant to empty the vacuum cleaner. I don't know how to wash my dishwasher because it seems like you need to wash the dishwasher sometimes. Um, they give me as big or as small as you want. Turns out the answer is white vinegar. You run it with a cup of white vinegar in it. Uh, white vinegar is the answer for everything. It really um, is. That's the answer for your gut. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> 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 um, well, oh my God. I'm cool as all the freaking time because I live in Mexico and I don't speak Spanish. Um, so, what made so you like, move to Mexico? When? What made you move to Mexico? Or are you just traveling there oh, for a bit? Um, you have no weather. I'm from Toronto and it's really cold in the okay. winter. And so, yeah. So um, I, I recently, actually this plant behind me, I recently bought this plant and I swear I, ma- I made sure that I Google translated that it's like, it's no direct sun. Like I don't have direct sun in this room and it's already dying. Like look at this wiltingness. And so my clueless moment is like, I can't, I literally can't even shop for plants here because like, I think I, <laughs> I think I must've told them that it gets direct sun, not that it doesn't get direct sun. And so that will be, that will be the moment that I share. <laughs> I'm terrible with plants. I kill all plants, which is like terrible with the last name flowers. Like it feels deeply, Ooh. sadly <laughs> ironic like both my mom and I just kill plants left, right, and center. Like I've killed multiple yeah. cactuses or cacti. Oh yeah, no, I have a gift for it as well. I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I have yeah. a plant right here that I'm actually so proud. I've kept it alive yeah. for over a year, but I have brought it to the brink of death <laughs> so yeah. many times. I think that uh, just makes them stronger, though. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. it used to be like life challenge. It used to be two yeah. sprouts, and now it's one because I did fully kill one. Wow. But okay. she's a trooper. <laughs> the stronger one survived. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so much fun to yeah. chat with you. This was so informational. Yeah. I feel like I'm walking away with a lot of good things to think about. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the questions. Of course. Awesome. I'll have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye, Kiki. Thank you. Bye, ladies. Awesome. Well, we hope y'all enjoyed that interview and had learned as much as we did. Yeah. I really like her outlook on like the deprivation mindset. Just like thinking about that. I've been thinking a lot about that in my life. Dude, I've been like trying to pay more attention and whatnot in the past few days. And <laughs> I live alone, so I only eat watching TV. <laughs> I know. And I'm like the least present while eating all the time. Like I literally am am no present present. Oopsies. Being present while eating is definitely hard for me too. It's awkward. Yes. Especially because I live with my parents. And so like I kind of eat in my room because I kind of. What? Sarah, I, I mean, our house, we weren't, we're not allowed to bring food. In our okay. Room. Yeah. So sometimes like, I want to say like, two, like probably three times a week we'll sit at the table, mm-hmm. but then sometimes like I'm just exhausted from the day. Yeah. I don't want to talk to anybody. So I just go upstairs in my room and I'll either like, I have a little thing for my bed if I want to <laughs> eat in my bed or I'll eat at my desk. I don't know why this girl... <laughs> family and going fuck y'all no literally in my room they'll go eat in the sunroom sometimes and i'm just like yeah no i don't really want to talk to anybody like i'm gonna go eat by myself literally (laughs) so i get it sometimes it's hard to choose presents but i think the main idea that i'm sticking with it's like it's always like 
I'm going to feed myself if I'm hungry. I feel like when I'm eating food, like last night I had Domino's and oh, fuck no, I want Domino's. Yeah. Olivia and I had been talking about Domino's and I just had it's like a so hard day crappy, yesterday. But I love it so much. It's so good. And I really don't get it anymore because it feels embarrassing to get while living in the Yes. <laughs> Domino's kind of reminds me of school and it reminds me of like being depressed at school, but also it's just so good. It reminds me of high school so much. It was the only I say restaurant very loosely. <laughs> restaurant. Um, it was the only place that had food that was delivery that was open past when our rehearsals would get out. So when you got out of rehearsal, if you were fucking starving, because like I had a mini fridge, but we didn't have actual fridges. So we didn't really have food. So if you got yeah. out, like dining hall was obviously closed. We were fucking starving. What we'd do is we would order Domino's and we'd have a little Domino's party. Um, and I it was love. we definitely broke a lot of rules in doing that but uh we would we would have a little domino's party my friend had a projector because we didn't have there's a tv in our common room but no one fucking used it and whatever she she had a projector and we would watch law and order svu and eat domino's and i, I just that. like we did that at least once a week that is so funny no i love it um and when i was going to like take it because usually i would like eat the whole pizza like everything i was like I'm going to take some of it now. Mm -hmm. And if I'm hungry, like I can always come back for it mm -hmm. or I can eat it tomorrow. And it really is revolutionary. Live, laugh, love. Per. All right, you guys, if you are liking what you are hearing, don't forget <laughs> to follow us on Instagram at Completely Fucking Clueless. And TikTok and YouTube at Completely F-C-K-I-N-G Clueless. Period per. Season two is going to be starting next month in March, and we're really working toward some new fun things for this podcast. We've got our photo shoot for the second yes. season, not this weekend, but when you hear this the weekend after you yes. hear this. <laughs> yeah. So we have the photo shoot. We're trying to make sure that we can like film all the episodes. So mm -hmm. you guys can also watch them if you want to as well. I know I love watching podcasts when I'm like doing my makeup. Um, I don't really listen to that many podcasts. Don't tell anyone. I love podcasts. I just, I, I listen to them so much in the car, but I don't have I a know. car and I don't drive a car. So I don't listen to them anymore. It's okay. Oopsie doopsie. Oopsie doopsie. All right, y'all have a fabulous weekend. Don't forget to be motherfucking clueless. Yeah. And call your grandparents unless yes. they're bad and racist. You don't like them or they think. Then don't call them. Again, I said this last week. Call someone. Tell them you love them. Yeah. Okay. Okay.